Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Afton, and this is the Digital Project Manager Podcast. So today I'm joined by Colin Ellis, who is a project management author, speaker, trainer, and mentor. He's a Liverpudlian who now calls Australia home and uh, in, in sunny Melbourne, or maybe even rainy Melbourne, I don't know. But uh, thanks, Colin, for coming on the show. Uh, it's my pleasure, Ben, and it's sunny today. It's 24 degrees today, which is nice. Oh. Yesterday would have been rainy Melbourne. Well, it's always good, always good to start with understanding where the weather is at. at uh, it's a very British conversation to have. Well. Yeah, exactly. Let's get it out the exactly. way. In, yeah. <laughs> in Vancouver, it has been raining, for those of you who are interested. In Vancouver, it has been raining heavily for the past few weeks. But and what people don't know, forecast. What, what people don't know, Ben, is that when we talk about the weather, we, us Brits, we're not actually talking about the weather, we're talking about our emotions. <laughs> oh, what's the weather like? Actually, it's slightly overcast with a chance of rain later. <laughs> exactly. Well, and the good news is the forecast for Vancouver in the next couple of weeks is sunny That's good. Uh, with with a touch of cloud so, yeah. so good on all counts um, so this is actually a bit of a first for us uh, on the Digital Project Manager podcast. To be honest, there haven't been many podcasts, but uh, never before have we done this where I chat to someone uh, and I'm just having a chat. We're not actually talking about a particular article, uh, but Colin got in touch and I thought that some of his stuff that he'd been writing and talking about was really interesting um, so I said, hey, Colin, would you come on the show? And he said, yes. So here we are. And one of the things that uh, Colin talks a lot about is about project leadership, which I'm also very passionate about, developing a strong project and team culture and how we can lead our projects into success. Uh, but before we dive into all that stuff, um, for those of you who've not met Colin, let's find out a bit about who you are. Now, Colin, this is obviously the what we referred to as the Digital Project Manager podcast, uh, and I know there's a lot of discussion around, is digital project management and project management two different things or not? We can cover that later. Mm. But uh, you're not a digital project manager by trade, or at least I don't think you'd identify yourself as one. So tell me a bit about your story. Where, how did you get into project management? Uh, well, interestingly, uh, my first project manager job was probably what you would consider a digital project management role at the time, although kind of in the late 90s, we weren't really using the word digital. Uh, we, were pressing, yeah. we were pressing all kind of panic buttons, Ben, because the world was going to end for year 2000. Um, and, and at the time, I was working in, uh, in telesales in, uh, in a newspaper for the Liverpool Echo, which was the Liverpool paper in Liverpool. And... Um, I wasn't that good at selling newspaper space, which is although I had the pubs and clubs, which was my perfect job, you know, because all the publicans around Liverpool knew me. Um, but I, I don't know, I, I think I was, well, I must have been good at building relationships and creating teams. And so they asked me if I wanted to be a project manager. And I said, what's a project manager? And they said, oh, you get a car, a phone, and you get to travel to <laughs> the UK for four years. I'm like, I definitely want to be a project manager. And so, you know, that that, that was it. We, we were replacing advertising um, systems and newspapers and, and newspaper sales systems and this was I can't stress how new this was you know uh, back in 97 um, it was ridiculous really but that was that was my that was my genesis in, in project management and um, yeah nice that was that was 20 years ago 20 years ago I, it's interesting I also came a, a little known fact and one that I don't actually uh, talk about on LinkedIn funnily enough <laughs> but you, you talk about uh, the millennium bug 
which is obviously right. a uh, yeah that that was the thing but um i worked for a company called computer 2000 there you go and uh, i was i was doing telesales for computer 2000 wow. uh, that's how i uh, well, I did. I did lots of terrible jobs, but that was one of my terrible jobs. It was um, what to start with. Actually, uh, was building computers for Computer Two Thousand. I was building servers in a factory. I did that, uh, but then, uh, then the next year, I went back and I was in telesales. I was trying to convince people uh, to go to our Microsoft conferences or weekends away or I can't even remember what I was selling and I think it was a good deal I think I was giving people a weekend away for free and they just had to attend a seminar or something yeah uh and uh but uh it's soul destroying I found it soul destroying so uh, I think some people are more well naturally done. suited it to, to to others you know I used to love the conversations with people then I you know yeah and I think that's when, why when they talk to you yeah then. that's right when they're not slamming but, the phone <laughs> down on you not again Alice exactly. slam <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, and it's when the, you put the phone down, and then the phone rings again. Like you're you're on an automated thing, and it's like it's, it's just that you can't win. That's There's right. this feeling of like of not winning. <laughs> but uh, okay, so from telesales cool. then, and uh, and getting all the perks. Yeah. Um, you you've become a proper project manager then. I did. <laughs> so, uh, I did. Yeah, I I became a proper project manager. And you know what? When I when I first started out, and I shared this story a lot. I. I I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I think the Project Management Institute recently uh, released some uh, survey that said that for 70% of people who find themselves in project management, project management is their second career. And it certainly was for me and it was for you. And, you know, I to become a proper project manager, I had to take all of the stuff that I was hired for, which was the people stuff. But I just wasn't very good at planning, which is it is really important too. You know, I wrote a blog, I think it was last week or the week before, about the importance of being emotionally intelligent and kind of actually intelligent. And so I had to really, really learn, really, like properly learn how to plan well and to, to do all of the, what I would call the technical stuff. I, I, too often we call the technical stuff in, in the broader project management world, not so much in the digital world i'll come back to that in a bit um uh, kind of we focus on the method and the process and planning and mm. it's all of these things when when it's a real mix of the two because you have to kind of motivate a team of people to give you the information and what you need to be technically good at is knowing what techniques to use to plan something really really well rather than understanding the subject matter which is slightly different for, for digital project managers i understand and um, so you kind of technically I had to watch and learn from the people around me to become a, a good project manager. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so then, so yeah, so going uh, like through your career then, what kind of project management roles have you, have you done? Well, I mean, I, you've done a lot of different ones. Yeah, different ones. You know, and I did, I was a project manager for five years, which is relatively short, um, uh, I would say for most people. Then I did program management and I think it's because I had those people skills Ben, I think it, it naturally suits itself to bigger pieces of work. And then I went and yeah. headed up a big PMO for the newspaper I was working for. And then I moved back to Liverpool and headed up a PMO for a big retail uh, company. And then emigrated to New Zealand where I, where I worked in the public service, headed up big project departments in the public service for six years and then moved to Australia four years ago to head up a PMO in the public service here. So real mix of... Big, like big infrastructure stuff and big telecommunication stuff. So a mix of IT and what we would term business stuff. 
Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and lots of money to spend. A couple of natural disasters in there as well, and just a real <laughs> mix of of what you know, hugely enjoyable work. I've always enjoyed what I'm doing. I love the dynamic project environment, and I think you know I've been working for myself only really for the last two and a half years. And the, the thing that I miss most, and we meant we talked briefly before I came on air, is is that real kind of people team interaction. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, so what are you doing now then? So you, you talk about working for yourself for the last two and a half years. So what does that look like now? Yeah, it's a quick, what are you doing now? That's a question yeah, my wife you, asks me on a daily basis. What are you, where have you been for the last two weeks? Uh, so what I do now is, well, I obviously write, I've written a couple of books. Um, I, I train so with spe- specifically uh, emotional intelligence, so how to be the best version of yourself and to create teams that everyone wants to join, which is so important in a project context. Um, and, you know, and, and I speak, you know, and I've done lots and lots of speeches um, around the place, which is great, and uh, hopefully trying to inspire the, the kind of next generation of people coming through in, in, in the project management profession. So speaking and training principally are the things that I get paid for now, Ben, yeah. Cool. Good stuff. So, yeah, so you've written a couple of books. One of them, if you want to look it up, and we'll put a link um, in the podcast itself, but one's called uh, The Conscious Project Leader, and the other one is called The Project Rots <laughs> from the Head. Um, but let's talk about the the Conscious Project Leaders. I think that's one that's really more focused for PMs rather than the bosses. Yep. Uh, right. if, yeah. you've got, if you've got a if you've got a project sponsor uh, who is not doing their job properly, um, the project rots from the head is a great one for them to uh, leave on their desk. Absolutely, but, um, yeah. Uh, anonymously. Yeah. But so, yeah, anonymously, <laughs> just maybe with a post-it read saying, read this and both of you. <laughs> but uh, I would, it'd be interesting to see, uh, yeah, you should, that should be a campaign for you. Like, hey, guys, here, I bought this for my boss. And uh, here, here it is on the desk. Someone, See someone bought next. five recently at a conference, if you can believe that. And she said that was a, she was going to leave them on a steering committee's desk, which she did. And then she emailed me and she said, yeah. just to let you know, I followed through on my plan. I left one on everybody's desk. And I emailed back saying, that's amazing. <laughs> tell them it was from you. She was like, oh, my God, no. I'd be out on my ear in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, well, hope let's hope it worked. Yeah. Let's hope it worked. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So the in terms of the uh, yeah the conscious project leader though is really like you've been talking about focused on those softer emotional intelligence or yeah aspects of leading projects. And um, and and you talk about creating a culture of success for your projects and your team and yourself. Um, and I think yeah, I think that these are such important projects. And I think when you look particularly comparing it to. Uh, Things like the PMP, which are very process and methodology kind of driven, um, I think it's so important that we actually start talking about what it means not just to project manage and be a project administrator, uh, but yeah, this importance of being a leader uh, within your project team and, and, and seeing yourself as actually the one who's casting vision, as the one who's inspiring the team. Um, but that's a pretty hard thing to do, right? So what's your kind of, for someone who's, who's you know, never really heard about this, about, hold on, I'm not just a project manager, but actually I'm a project leader. 
Tell me, like, what does that look like in a in the day to day of a project, the project context? Yeah, it's what a does that look like ben, to you? It's one that I get a lot because this thing called leadership, we've made it too hard. We've made it something that feels untouchable. Or worse still, we've made it hierarchical. You can only be a leader when you sit at this table or you have this job description. And I think what most people forget, particularly in a project context, is that, you know, the biggest job that you've got is kind of to lead and motivate a team of people to do great work. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. You still you still need to understand the methods. You know, I'm always keen to point out that from a project management perspective, you've got to go and do all of the badges, right? You've got to tick all of the boxes and do all of the things. That's your technical information. But the best projects are a result of the person yeah. who leads it or the environment they create for the team. It always has been and it always will be. So it doesn't matter whether you digital kind of IT, whether you're doing construction, telecommunications, you kind of, all of these types of projects. And I think this is this is what really uh, made me want to go work for myself. I went to a project management conference, you know, and there was just lots of the same old stuff that I've been hearing for the last 10 years rehashed a slightly different way that wasn't inspirational to me at all. And, and the people that attended the conference they were all people who wanted more but didn't really get it. And so I think, you know, what I wanted to do was to write the book that told project managers how to do all of the things that weren't in these methods that they, they were told that they had to have, you know. And so all the things, when, when I think to, back to when I was a project manager and kind of what made me successful in inverted commas, and what made me successful, of course, was the team of people around me. Of course that it was. But there were certain things that I needed to do to get them to that point. But no one had written that book, Ben. No one had said, here's how you be the best version of yourself. Here's how you communicate a message in four different ways. Here's how you bring a bit of humor to a situation. Oh, and here's the right time to do it. Um, Here's how to actively listen. You know, these little things. And, And so, you know, I wrote The Conscious Project Leader partly out of frustration that no one else had really done it. Uh, But I wanted to give project managers, wherever they are in the world and whatever kind of project that they're doing, that real insight in what it takes to be the best version of you and then how to inspire a group of disparate people who might be in different parts of the world or different bits of the office, how to bring all of those together to create something that's truly unique that everyone would want to be a part of. And, you know, so... Conscious, the, the, the word conscious as in you think about it, you know, we've all been the unconscious project manager from time to time, where we're not thinking about our actions and our words, and at that point you cease to lead and you start to manage. Yeah. So I think, yeah, no, I, th- I think that's great. But what I'm interested in is uh, your war stories. So um, like the reality is, and I, I think, you know, when you're working on a, and an exciting project, um, maybe, yeah, you know, a sexy project. People are excited about it. You're working with a new technology or you're doing something that's groundbreaking or, um, yeah. you know, th- there's something exciting about it. <clears throat> I think le- what you're talking about, you know, getting people emotionally engaged in the project, getting people uh, casting a vision and leading people towards that vision and, and, and helping them care about the project um, that's easier, but how do you do that when everyone thinks the project is, you know, a bit of a turd? <laughs> like, and surely, like in twenty years, you must have had lots of crappy projects where you're like, hold on a second, like, 
it, it's out of my control. We're, we're like, we might, might yeah. not necessarily be doing the right thing, but this is what we have to do. No one really. Yeah, it's wants a great to question. Um, about it. Here's the thing: what do you uh, do? Is sometimes you have to get excited about stuff um, that you really don't believe in. And I remember one project, Ben, where I challenged the need to do it because that's my job as a project manager. What I didn't want to do. Now I did this one-on-one with my sponsor. I didn't make my team aware of it because obviously what you're going to do is create division and unrest. And it was my job to visibly and verbally support whatever the organization thought were the right things to do. And I challenged the project sponsor. I was like, do you really want to do this? So, you know, if I said, if I, if it were me, there's no way I'd be doing it and gave some insights, you know, very solution focused. I felt like I went about it in the right way. And my sponsor at the time said, Colin, uh, when, you're, when, when you're in this gym, you can make those decisions. But right now, the organization thinks it's the right thing to do. And we intend to pursue it. And what I want you to do is to motivate everybody to get it delivered. And so it was a bit of a slap in the face. You know, I was early. I wasn't young by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but it was early in my project management career. And so what I did was I set about creating just the best team ever. And it's just, someone asked me just last week, I was in the States just last week to do a couple of speeches. And someone said to me, oh, I've got the worst staff. I've been given all of the worst staff. How do you create a team? And I'm like, well, firstly, <laughs> stop calling them the worst staff. Because as soon as you say that, what you're doing is creating a barrier in your head. These people <laughs> have never been given an opportunity or else you're going off hearsay, right? But in that situation, what you've got to do is you've got to create a vision. You've got to talk about how you're going to behave. You've got to talk about the things you're not going to talk about. You know, and I was very clear when I got that message from my sponsor. I said, this is something the organization wants to invest in. And whether you believe in it or not right now, it's our job to deliver it. So I'm going to create an environment where we can all get it done. Now, I challenged pretty yeah. much every decision one-on-one where I felt appropriate. It wasn't difficult by any stretch of the imagination. But I managed the scope really tightly. We had a really good plan. And, and then I kind of held stuff back because the nature of projects is somebody always wants to add stuff to it. So, you know, I learned how to say no politely. And, and every day, Ben, I went home knowing that I was being the best version of me. Now, partly that's because I failed a bunch of times. So, for example, there was one project where I didn't agree and I went back to my team and I was, you know, it's like, yeah, you know what? I don't agree with this either. And we ended up being bitter for like three, four months. And I did nothing to stop the bitterness. And I should have done that because every day we yeah. were coming in demoralized because we didn't want to work on the project yeah. rather than me lifting everyone up going, hey, this is something the organization considers to be really, really successful. And someone said, oh, you're just putting lipstick on a pig, which is a very nice way of putting it. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes we have to do that to make things more attractive, to get something done. Yeah. <laughs> and you take what you learn and that togetherness as a team into the next project. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's great. And I think the um, uh, one other thing that I've found really helpful is even even when a project is terrible, um, there there's always something that you can find to inspire people. Now, it might be that, hey, guys, this is this is not a very exciting project, but let's do it. Uh, you know, the best that we've ever done it before. Like we might have done this kind of project before and last time we did it, we didn't really care about it. So it's riddled with bugs. So let's do it twice as fast as last time and let's have no bugs or um, let's, let's find something to make this exciting and like gamify it in, in some kind of way to get people interested in the thing that on the, on the face of it seems boring, uh, but find a way to inject something of some kind of interest 
And then as you even if it even if it's just a game that no one else is getting engaged with, as you start kind of celebrating your wins, however small they might be on this terrible project, you'll begin to get some momentum because people will start getting behind you. If you're getting excited every day about this game you're playing on the project, people will start catching on. And uh, what can start as a really dull, boring project can actually be a quite a fun one to work with if you're able to build the team around you uh, that begins to yep. care about it. Whether or not it's because of the original purpose of the project or your little game reason. And Benjamin um, Rosman it's a way to get people engaged. But the art of possibility. Things change when you care enough to grab whatever you love and give it everything. And what we should love as project managers is project management. And so we have to give it absolutely everything. And that means being the best version of ourselves, creating a team, doing different things, coming in, energized, motivating people. But again, this is not what we're taught. We're force fed process. If you follow this process, you'll be successful, which is garbage. It's absolute garbage. And, and if you can be the best version, of, listen, there's still a way that organizations do things. You've got to tick the boxes. But if you can be the best version of you and create this awesome team, you know what? The magic happens. Um, and everyone feels great. And people want to join. And they're like, what are you doing in your team? We want to join. You know, and project management, it's not easy. It's not for the faint hearted. I always say to people, you know, some yeah. people say, oh, I don't like the administration side. I was like, what do you mean by administration? Oh, maintaining a schedule and a risk register. So I was like, get another job. That's what we do. Go and be a BA. They don't do any of that stuff. You've got an <laughs> <Yeah>. easy life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just coming up with yeah. more things. For, Love you, yeah, BA. To, yeah, the internal <laughs> scope creepers, the BAs. Um. <laughs> But um, so then talking about their success then, um, and I look, I checked out your LinkedIn profile um, and mm-hmm. I, I've seen that you've created a tool, well, a project success tool. something that I used to do by spreadsheets uh, when kind. I was back in New Zealand. Tell me about that. What we would do, because too many projects are, are still measured or project managers, sorry, are measured by how many projects they deliver on time and budget, which is totally and utterly bogus because the nature of projects is that they change. And less than 40% of projects, according to IBM, come in on time to cost. In fact, KPMG found in New Zealand earlier this year, it was less than 30%. And so what we should be measuring project managers on is, firstly, people's confidence in them. So how well do they know their job? And secondly, what kind of team have they created? Um, And and you really get that sense of uh, satisfaction. Uh, which is something you see uh, in in digital project management as well, because in digital project management, you know, we're very focused on that client satisfaction side of things. Whereas, uh, you know, in project management, your team are your clients, your stakeholders are your clients. And I've always said that if you keep your clients or your stakeholders happy all the way through, yeah. it almost doesn't matter whether you deliver on time to budget. In fact, some of the worst projects I've ever managed or overseen delivered on time to budget but we weren't being the best version of ourselves. We were smashing stuff in. Um, and there were undue influence, kind of outside influences, and all this stuff. And so I think if the customers are happy, um, then, you know, I often, for me, that's the most important part. So, we, you know, I worked with a developer and we came up with a tool called Project NPS, NPS for Net Promoter System. And so this is how organizations measure 
satisfaction with those services. And so the same should be same should be uh, of leadership as well and of project management. If your customers are happy, then you're doing a good job. Plus, you get some insights into what you can do to improve as well. Uh, yeah, so it's it's, it's almost cool. like a survey sounds, tool, but it's sounds fun. So is it, and that's an app, um, and you can do how it on does a mobile device, or you can do it on a mobile device. Absolutely, um, and then as a project manager, you get a score, and so you get a score every month based on customer feedback. And so I, I always say, from a project management perspective, anything over plus forty is a good score. Anything less than forty, and you've got work to do. But the great thing is, is your stakeholders give you the feedback on the things that you need to improve. And so it's got that real positive, here's the score, oh, by the way, and here's something. Now, obviously, what we want to do yeah. is create more conversations. Yeah. That's what we want. And the aim is the project managers go and talk to stakeholders more. So they're almost preempting what people are going to say anyway. So the aim is eventually the tool is redundant because you're just putting the emphasis back on great conversations, uh, improve self-awareness, yeah. and then better all-round customer experience. Yeah, that sounds cool. Now, talking about tools, though, so one of one of the things that I'm interested in in discussing with you is um, one of the chapters in your book is about I can't find it now, uh, but about collaboration tools. And uh, I'm fascinated by this because my kind of um, my theory about collaboration tools, whilst I love tools, I find that collaboration tools like Slack or, or in fact, any of the digital project management tools um, out there can actually make it harder to lead a team because we are, rather than having a conversation about things, we're sat meters away from each other, typing away at each other, and you get less of that feeling of, of team um, because people are reverting to typing rather than walking over the office or picking up the phone or, or having a Skype conversation. Uh, and it's, we, we're doing less talking than we ever did. I feel like and more typing than we ever did. But what's your feeling about that? Like leading a team, especially a remote team, um, when you're, when you've got these collaboration tools that on the face of it seem to be helpful. Uh, but are they really useful in helping us lead a project rather than just be, being a project manager? How does that work for you? Uh, so I'm always very careful, and I do this in the book as well, Ben, to say that, you know, you really have to ask yourself whether you need a tool in the first place. So, you know, for me, it's always face, phone, tools in that order, always in that order. You know, and I, 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 I always do everything face-to-face where I can, but then there are some times when you're managing multiple projects where you just can't be in all of those places at once. Now, I'm not a fan of email and never have been. And I think there's too much is done by email. There's too many emails were CC'd into or people expect response. And and so, you know, for me and my team, you know, I've got a couple of people that work with me, is that we use Slack just to get kind of just quick answers to questions. I don't want any emails in my email in my box. And my business manager or my content director know that if they want a quick answer, they can use a collaboration tool. But, you know, I always say to teams that it's part of the culture is you get together at the start, you know, because project managers, you've got three jobs, build the team, build the plan, deliver the project. So when you're building the team, you get together and say, okay, do we need to use a collaboration tool? So as a project manager, if I manage more than three projects, I've got four and I've got virtual teams as part of that, tools might work. 
but it also might confuse the hell out of everybody. And so it's a question that people need to ask. And it's not it's not a black and white question depending on your organization, your age, your sector. It's just something you need to talk to each other about and say, what's the best way for us to communicate here? So if you're across different time zones, what's the best way for me if I'm in Melbourne to communicate with, um, with Bear News in Vancouver? And the answer is, we'll have a phone call at three o'clock Melbourne time, because I know Ben's up and Colin should be up by three o'clock in the afternoon, you know? And and so, but for those times when we're asleep, you know, a tool might yeah. be useful. But I think but technology gives us those options, but it's about um, understanding what those options are at the start and then deciding whether as a team it's going to it's gonna improve things or not. And if not, face, phone, tool, or yeah. that other but talk, talking of tools, though, I'm interested, are you, um, yeah, have you found any tools recently that have, you, that have blown your mind or that you've like, oh, everyone should know about this. This is awesome. Oh, not that it blow my mind. I, I, I think that the tools are there to help you do a job. I, you know, we used to put things on butcher's paper, post-it notes, um, tasks and things. We use Trello to do that now. We have a shared Trello board. That's really easy to do. At Lassie, and I've got a great suite of tools yeah. uh, for people who are working on projects, some of which are free, but they, they, there's a great resource. That I, I've never believed in the big project management tools, the huge ones. Ne- you know, and I've managed some big project departments, and I've never been able to justify a $500,000 or a million dollar spend on a big tool because just having information centralized doesn't mean that the quality improves. So what's typically in your toolkit yeah. then, running a, bit, running a big enterprise project? Uh, so, you know, we, so in my last job, we made sure everyone used Microsoft Project because that's the only tool for scheduling. And we made sure everyone was trained so they knew how to do it well. Yeah. Uh, some people use Trello uh, to keep their tasks. We didn't have a shared Trello board at an enterprise level, we allowed people to do different things on on different projects, uh, depending on what they need. Uh, Slack was in its early days, so we used a little bit of that SharePoint we used, and we had little wiki pages as well. But again, there's so much stuff out there. Mm. Ben, that you know, for me and my team, we use Trello, Slack. I use OneNote heavily to capture notes from books and articles, and also, you know, I wrote my book using OneNote. Just simple things. Yeah. Uh, that make life easier. And that's why, you know, when people are looking at project management tools, like I said, Atlassian's got a good set of tools um, for project managers because they're really simple, straightforward, easy. To, I'm dumbing them right down. There's hours and hours of work that's gone into them. Uh, but anything that can improve the way that you do things simply, um, I think can only be a benefit. Good stuff. So just to close then, other than, other than reading the book, for those... Um, who are listening to this today, have you got a, a takeaway, one takeaway for people who are thinking, okay, well, I, I want to shift from being a project manager to a project leader. What for you is step one of, uh, of making this transition to being a project leader? Uh, so step one is improved self-awareness. So you've got to get really, really good at knowing what you're good at because we're not good at acknowledging that as people. What you What is it that you're good at? But also ask the people that you work with, what are some things that you can improve and then relentlessly self-develop? 
Ben, relentlessly. I mean, you know, for me, I didn't read a business book until two years ago, which seems ridiculous to me now. I put that on LinkedIn last week. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but relentlessly self-develop, look at different ways that you can do things. But what will be expected of you as a project manager more than anything else is to be a good person, treat and communicate with people in the right way, put your emphasis on building a good team, understand technically what you need to know to plan your project, and then just keep leading and motivating people to that result. Uh, and there won't be many complaints with, with your job if you're doing all those things well. Good stuff. Colin, thanks so much for joining us. It's been, uh, it's been great having you with us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on, man. And if you'd like to contribute to the conversation, uh, we're going to post this. Uh, you can comment on the post and head over to the community section of the digitalprojectmanager.com uh, where you can join our Slack team and you'll find all kinds of other interesting conversations going on there. Uh, let's discuss it there. But until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>